0: Stacey Irvin ate nothing but chicken nuggets. True story. You can look it up on the internet. Ate nothing but chicken nuggets. She said she and her boyfriend would buy a 20-nugget sack from McDonald's or sometimes Kentucky Fried Chicken, she said, and we would share that. And that's what she ate all the time. She never tasted, seriously, she had never tasted fruits and vegetables in her life. She only ate chicken nuggets with an occasional side of what? Fries exactly right. You read the story, right? (laughs) Well, one day at the age of 17, now she'd been doing this for 15 years, so how old was she when she started eating nothing but chicken nuggets? Two. I'm wondering, where's mom in all of this? Anyway, at the age of 17, after 15 years of eating nothing but chicken nuggets, Stacy's tongue began to swell, and she found herself unable to breathe. They called the ambulance, The medical personnel worked on her as best they could. They forced open her airway passages. They rushed her to the hospital. Doctors used an IV pump uh, to to push nutrients into her body to keep her alive. The good news is Stacy survived. This was back in 2012. So she's, she's still alive. You can check on that yourself on the internet. The doctors sent her home. But not before they gave her a warning. And they said, Stacy, you either change your diet or you can prepare yourself for an early death. Sounds like good advice, right? Well, now, here's the, here's the deal, and here's what strikes me as ironic, or f- it's not really funny, maybe ironic would be a better word. Stacy could have eaten anything she wanted. She was growing up in uh, the United Kingdom and Great Britain, so there was plenty of food. It wasn't like there was a famine going on and good food wasn't available. Stacy had access to all kinds of good and healthy food. She didn't have to go through that medical crisis at the age of 17, but she did. Why? Well, she killed herself because of what might be called a self-imposed famine. A self-imposed famine. In a normal famine, people don't have access to good food. Well, Stacy imposed upon herself a famine. She rejected good and healthy food in order to eat chicken, nothing but chicken nuggets. Here's what I'm afraid of, guys. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that many of us are killing ourselves from a self-imposed famine. Now, it's not like we're just eating nothing but chicken nuggets. I mean, we may not be physically, physically killing ourselves, but I would say that many of us in this room and certainly across America today are, have imposed upon ourselves a famine a famine of the Word of God, and we're dying spiritually because of it. We can't discern truth from fiction. We don't know right from wrong. We don't really know who God is. We don't know who we are. We don't know what our purpose in life is. And those are all questions that the Word of God could answer for us if we would dig in and feed ourselves with the Word of God. Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, it's written... Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need more than bread to eat in order to stay alive. We need the word of God, which is like bread to our souls, our inner man, to keep us alive, to keep us growing and thriving. Now, as as Christ followers, we all know this, and I'm going to ask a question, and I want to see your response. How many of you know that the Bible should be an important part of your life? That's what I thought. Everybody in the room raised their hand. We know we ought to be feeding our inner man on the Word of God, but the reality is many of us are starving ourselves to death. We're feeding ourselves on everything else but the Word of God. LifeWay, the, Baptist, uh, the honor of the Baptist Church, did a survey in 2013 that found that only 19% of those who identify themselves as Christians make... Reading the Bible, a daily practice. Only 19%, one out of every five believers, makes it a daily practice to read the Bible, to feed their inner man on the Word of God. Instead of feeding ourselves a healthy diet, a healthy spiritual diet, we instead are feasting on a bunch of junk food. Stuff that's pumped out of Hollywood. Some of the, mu- or the music and, and the stuff that comes uh, in our, through our radios and our internet systems. Like we don't have access to the Bible. It's not like we don't have access to all kinds of resources to help us read the Bible. I mean, the average American home has at least three Bibles in it. How many of you own a Bible? It's probably on your phone, your app, right? You got an app on your phone. We've got unlimited access to the Bible. We have all kinds of resources available to us to help us understand the Bible, to know it, to apply it. But it's like we have imposed upon ourselves a famine. We've chosen to reject healthy spiritual nourishment and instead we're feasting on all of the stuff that's going to make us sick and keep us sick. Give us a distorted view of the world around us. Keep us moving and living and in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in investing ourselves in all the wrong things. Buying into the wrong sets of values and priorities for our life. I mean, we're starving ourselves to death spiritually. And it shows. It shows. Another survey taken by The Barna Group said this, and this survey was taken this year, or excuse me, last year, 2017. It shows how spiritually weak we've become and how malnourished we are because we haven't been feeding ourselves on the Word of God. Three in ten, practicing Christians. That's people who go to church who claim and self-identify to be Christians. Almost three in ten, practicing Christians strongly agree that all people pray to the same God or spirit no matter what name they use for that spiritual being. Think about that for just a minute. Three in ten of us in America who claim to be Christian go to church and do all the churchy things, probably have Jesus fish on their bumpers, wear the Christian t-shirts and go to the concerts. 30% of us almost believe that any God and it's just like praying to the real God. About 20% of us, 20% of us who claim to be practicing Christians, self-identify as Christians, strongly agree that meaning and purpose comes from working hard to earn as much as possible so you can make the most of life. In other words, they're investing themselves in their careers, in their jobs, in order to accumulate more and more stuff, more and more money, thinking that's the best way for me to live my life. How many of you found out that's not the best way to live your life? you can lose that real quick. You better be investing in something that's more eternal than that, amen? But one out of every five of us believes that and lives a lifestyle that matches that belief. Another statistic that comes out of this recent survey is this. About 25% of us, those who claim to be practicing Christians, strongly agree that what is morally right or morally wrong depends on what an individual believes. Think about this one for just a minute. I claim to be a follower of Christ. And I see something that a Mandalay has. Something I want. Well, if I want it, I'm, I, I have a moral, the moral freedom to take it when she's not looking. As long as I don't... I actually had a student tell me this. It's not cheating if you don't get caught. <laughs> Who are you cheating if you don't get caught? You're cheating yourself at the very minimum, right? But we have, we're, we're, this is, this is what, where we're going because we are not feeding ourselves a healthy spiritual diet. We're going down roads, and, and it's scary. It's scary where we're headed. It's scary the kind of world that, you're, that our children are growing up in. If it's like this today, what's it going to be like 10, 15, 20 years from now, should the Lord tarry? Listen, Pastor. I take take this responsibility very seriously as your pastor. As your pastor is the one who's called by God to help shepherd your soul, I'm the one that God has placed here, whether you like it or not, to be in your life, to equip you to do His work, to, to build you up as part of His church. I'm here to issue you a warning. This is my warning to you. If you are not daily feeding your inner man with the Word of God, You must change your spiritual diet or you're going to suffer, perhaps even die from it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm I'm trying to be as blunt as I can be. If you don't begin, if you're not already, if you don't begin feasting on the Word of God, feeding yourself a healthy spiritual diet by getting into the Word of God every day, you're going to suffer. Just like Stacey Irvin suffered from only eating chicken nuggets, from not eating a healthy spiritual diet, you're going to suffer physically, or spiritually if you don't feed yourself spiritually on the Word of God. You're going to get weak. I, I tell you this, honestly, I believe this with all my heart. I would not have any counseling to do. I would not have received those half a dozen phone calls I got over the last couple of days from people in crisis situations if they would just have read the Bible and put it into practice. It's not like you're looking for a magic pill. That one verse that's going to, boom, that's it. What it is, is feeding yourself on a consistent basis so that the Lord can use that word to transform your mind and heart and life. That consistent feeding on the word of God and putting it into practice as the Spirit leads you. Man, that will set you free from most of the crises that we face. It'll make your marriage better. It'll make your relationships with your kids better. It'll make your career go further. It'll make your money go further. It's amazing how the, how the Word of God, as we feed on it on a consistent basis, changes us from the inside out completely transformed our lives. It's the Word of God. I am challenging you. Regularly feed yourself on the Word of God or be prepared to suffer the consequences. Warning received? Good, because my mouth is dry. You guys are looking at me. I can't tell if half of you are mad. I hope you love me. I want to give you four reasons why we need to study the Bible, why we need to make it a regular daily habit to get into the Word of God. There are dozens of reasons. I'm just going to point out four to you because I think these four are very important, but there are other reasons as well. Reason number one why you and I need to dig into the Bible every day, read it, study it to whatever degree you can, put it in your mind and in your spirit. Reason number one is because the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is the word of God. Now I could go on and, and preach a sermon on any one of these points to keep it short. The Bible itself is the word of God and we need to read it and study it for that reason and that reason alone, really. Paul writes and says in 2 Timothy 3:16, "All scripture is God-breathed." All scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, all scripture. How many of you have been digging into your Old Testament? Now, I'm glad some of you have. Many of us ignore it altogether. How sad. You won't understand the New Testament if you don't read, you know, the Old Testament. It's like the New Testament reveals what God has been doing in the Old Testament. The Old Testament what God has done for us in the New Testament. But I encounter a lot of believers. I've even had one old elderly saint years and years ago tell me no one needs to read the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to us anymore. And I thought to myself, dear lady, you have missed the point. You've missed the point. You can't understand the New Testament if you don't know what's going on in the Old Testament. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is the Word of God. Old Testament and New Testament alike. It is the Word of God. The parts we understand and the parts we understand. I don't understand all the Word of God. I've been studying it, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years now. There are parts of it I, st- I still <laughs> i have no idea what he means there. And that's why I love the Word of God. It's simple enough for a child to dive in and get, and it can, get, it, it, it can bumfuddle a scholar who studies it all their life. I love it when I hear somebody like John Trahan say, I don't know what that means. That's good. You know what? That gives him one more thing to dig into, right? One more thing to try to... That's the way God works, asking us to dive in deeper. It's, it's all the Word of God, uh, The parts we understand and the parts we don't. The parts we like and the parts we don't like. And there are probably certain parts of the Bible you don't like very much. Because it's like a swift kick in the pants when you read it. It can be painful. But that's the word of God too. It's the word of God. Say that with me. Word Word. of God. It's the word of God. (laughs) Hebrews 1 says this in the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. You see, God spoke the word to us in many ways, and he has brought it down to us in the form of that book that you probably hold in your hand or that app you have on your phone. It's actually a library of 66 different books compiled in this one between these leather covers but he has given us this word and passed it down to us in many, many different ways. Sometimes he spoke directly to the author, and the author simply wrote down what God was speaking to him. Many of the prophets are written that way. And sometimes the author instead based his writings on his research and his interviews. The four Gospels are basically... The the sum total of an of one of either Matthew Mark Luke or John's research and interviews, based on what he remembered and the interviews that were conducted, in order to write an account of what Christ did, how Christ lived, and what his mission was all about. And sometimes the Holy Spirit simply reminded the authors that what Jesus about what Jesus had taught them, and they wrote it down. Many of the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote, that some of the other uh, apostles wrote, are letters in which they were recalling what Jesus had taught them and simply passing it on to the churches that they were writing the letters to. But it doesn't matter how the Word came to us, we need to understand this Word is God's Word. It's God's Word. Regardless of the way the words of God came to us through these authors, we need to understand that these are exactly the words God wanted them to write. These are exact. This is the word of God that he wants us to have and read and study. This is his word. These are exactly the words he wants us to know, to understand. These are the words that God claims to be his own. These are the words of truth by which all other truth is to be measured. That which conforms to this is true. That which does not conform to this is not true. This is the standard by which all other statements and philosophies and beliefs and convictions, this is the standard by which they are judged. There is no other standard but this one. That means that all the words in the Bible are God's words. That means that, listen, I want you to write this down because this is really an important statement. That means, write this down, to disbelieve or to disobey them is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. You get that? These are the words of God. To disbelieve them and disobey them is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. Is that clear? Want me to say it again? I mean, this is is where we need to stake our lives right here. If God said it, (laughs) I'm going to believe it. These are the words of God. To disobey them or disbelieve them is to disobey or disbelieve God himself. We clear? That's a pretty stout statement. And I'll be be happy to discuss that with anyone when this is over. But what that really means for us, the implications of that, of that statement, and of this fact, truth, that the Bible is the Word of God, what, what, what implications that has for our life is this. We need to make a wholehearted effort to read this Bible, study this Bible, so that we can understand what God has said, so that we can put it into practice. Because to do otherwise, we're gonna suffer consequences at some point because of it, right? We've got to read it, we've got to study it, we've got to understand it so we can put it into practice. To do otherwise is to put ourselves at risk. That's how important this word is. Reason number two. Why we need to read the Bible, make sure that we're daily feeding ourselves on the Word of God. Because the Bible, the Bible defines for us the person of God. The Bible defines for us His nature, His character, how He works, what He does, and why He does it. The Bible defines for us the person of God. It answers questions like, who is God? What is God like? Can God be defined? Can He be described? And the Bible says, yes, yes, he can. And this is how. Through his own word. Don't you hate it when people assume things about you because of what somebody else has said? Why don't we let God speak for himself to tell us who he is? Find out for yourself what he says about himself. Who would be a higher authority than God to tell you who he is and what he's like? That's what this word's been given to us for. Stop believing what other people have told you about God. Why don't you find out who God is and let him speak for himself and telling you? It's amazing. As you read this book, the author sits there and reads it to you and explains it to you. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this. I love this passage of Scripture. This is what the Lord said. This is what the Lord says. Right there, it's the word of God, right? This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this that he has the understanding to know me. If you're going to brag about anything, brag about this. I know God. I know God. I know Jesus Christ. I know Him. See, this is is, is who God wants us to be. He wants to personally reveal Himself to us. He doesn't want us to worship Him from a distance. He wants us to know Him, to have confidence in Him, to trust in Him. And so he He has revealed Himself to us right here. And the Holy Spirit brings it to life in us as we read it and study it. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. I don't know about you, that thrills my soul, man. Because what it means is God wants me to know Him. He wants me to know Him. God wants me to understand Him. And there is nothing more worthwhile to you or me, or to any other human soul, than knowing God. Knowing God, if I can know God, that means a lot of other questions that I'm asking about myself and about the world around me, I get the answers to those questions as well. Paul said it like this in Philippians 3.8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Let me say that again. For Yes, everything else is worthless. Everything else is worthless. Those books, those TV shows, those relationships, those video games, everything else is worthless. Those experiences, the me time, worthless. 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 When compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus, my Lord, and for His sake I have discarded everything else. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, that I could gain Christ. Nothing of greater worth than knowing Christ. The only way to know Christ is through this word. No other way. Too many of us, I believe, I'm afraid, too many of us are trying to know and understand God apart from the Bible. And it leaves us open to all kinds of perverted views regarding God. Is God vindictive? Is God ruthless? Is God distant and uninvolved? Is God weak? Does God overlook my sin? Does He ignore injustice? Does He really care how we live? A.W. Toza said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If our God is for us, then who can be against us? You believe that about God? That's what he says in Romans chapter eight about himself. You believe that about God? Then what happens when your boss turns against you and says, you can't mention Jesus anymore, you're out of here. If our God is for us, who can be against us? What well, comes into our minds when we think about God? That's the most important thing about you. Do you believe God is loving, compassionate, kind, forgiving? Or do you believe he's ruthless, a tyrant, he's out to get you? How many of you walked into the doors of this fellowship thinking that's the kind of God he is. A ruthless tyrant who's out to get me. A lot of us do. There are other people that walk through the doors of this church and they think it doesn't matter what I do, how I live, he just winks at it. He doesn't care. And I hope that you get that part, that distorted view cleared up as well. Yes, he absolutely cares how you live. Your behavior, your attitudes absolutely care matter to him because he's not only a God of love he's also a God of justice we need to have a clear idea of who God is so that we can line our lives up with him and live in his will and ways and we're fooling ourselves if we think we can do that apart from the Bible I love the 12 step book okay I love it I think it's great but it's not the Bible it's not. I love devotionals. We have them back on the, in the foyer, free to take, take all you want, pass them out. I love devotionals, but it's not the Bible. I love it when you download my sermons and you, you know, read the manuscripts and listen to the podcast. I love that, but that's not the Bible. I hope it's Bible-centered. That's my goal. But it's not the Bible. You see God himself God himself is the highest authority and is like and he reveals himself to us in his word the Bible So you, you, we've got to make sure if we're going to stay healthy if we're going to stay vital and alive spiritually we need to make sure that the God we know and the God we worship and the God we serve is really the God of the Bible or well, we're going to go off on some crazy tangents because everybody's got an opinion about who he is and what he is. There's only one opinion that matters, and that's his. And it's in here. I, don't wanna, I do not want to adopt someone else's idea of God based on their corrupt imagination of who God is. That's a dangerous place to be. All right. Three. Three. First of all, we need to study the Word of God because it is the Word of God. Secondly, because it defines for us who God is. Third, the Bible reveals God's plan of salvation to us. The Bible reveals God's plan of salvation to us. Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, and he says to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's the Bible that reveals to us God's plan of salvation. Unfortunately, we live in a day and an age when many people are trusting in a homemade religion to save them. Listen to me. It's a homemade concoction of things. It's a religion that mixes in a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and instead of adhering to biblical truth, instead they pick and choose from other belief systems. Humanism, occultism, spiritism. I've got friends on Facebook, I cannot believe some of the things that they have mixed and mingled with biblical truth to come up with a concoction that they think is going to help them become what God wants them to be. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. We can only be saved as the Bible reveals to us the plan of salvation. There are too many people out there that are taking a little dab of their own goodness and putting it in the mix thinking somehow if I can just do this right, if I can just get sober, everything's going to be fine going to be made right with God. The reality is you can get sober and never be saved. I'd rather have you saved than sober, because I think if you get saved, you're going to get sober. Hear what I'm saying? We kind of flip things around. You know, we, we, we've got this homemade concoction that we've created where we're depending on our own goodness or we're depending on our own understanding of salvation based on what other people have told us, what the Internet says, and everything on the internet's true. or we're trusting somehow in the religious rituals that we're going through, or the church affiliation that we have, or the pastors that we listen to, or the backgrounds we come from. I'm telling you, none of those things will save you. Only faith in Christ Jesus will save you. By grace, you are saved through Christ Jesus. These other things, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they won't save you. Don't trust in them. Put your hope in Christ. You see there are many people today claiming to follow Christ and they're they're also embracing things like reincarnation and karma and fortune telling and necromancy which is talking to the dead. There are churches today that will teach you how to talk to the dead. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't even get me started. I mean it's crazy what's out there. Those things have nothing at all to do with Christ. As a matter of fact they're strictly forbidden in the word. There are people today claiming to be Christians who deny that Jesus is God. They deny the existence of hell. They deny the problem of sin. My response to that is then why did Jesus come in the first place? Why did he have to die on the cross if there's no such thing as sin? There's no such thing as hell. If he was the son of God, he's just another man dying on a a, a weird, awful through an awful form of execution. What what, what does it matter? But there are Christians today who claim all these things, self-identifying Christians. They're they're on a path that will not lead them to salvation. They're on a path that's taking them further and further away from God. The Bible lays out clearly for us the path by which we're saved. There are people today claiming to be Christians, self-identifying as Christians, who say that all religious roads lead to heaven. They say that all religious beliefs are equally true. They say that all lifestyle practices are acceptable to God. And I'm telling you, that's simply not true. But the reason they have bought into this is because probably they haven't read the Word of God for themselves. That's all dangerous ground. And the Bible has been given to us to prevent us from treading on that dangerous ground. The Bible emphatically tells us that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Listen, this Bible is the only trusted source of information that will lead you ultimately to God. Everything else is going to take you on detours you you don't want to go down. Roads you don't want to go down. The Bible is the only trusted source you have to keep you in the path, that narrow road that takes you to heaven. This, this word, this word is the only set of instructions you can put your faith in that will teach you the beliefs and the practices that you should adopt as your own and embrace as your own as a follower of Christ. It's this word. All beliefs and practices related to your salvation have to be based on biblical truth. Not on what somebody has said or dreamed up. It's about what God has said and what he has clearly spoken to us. So you need to make sure that your faith and your salvation is built on what the Bible says. Then you can live in the confidence that we ought to have as followers of Christ Jesus. He wants us to live in the confidence of our salvation. Well, the only way to be confident of that salvation is to follow this word. Unfortunately, many of us don't even know what it says. We're guessing at it. Are you taking my word for it? Don't do that. Don't take my word for it. I'm a faulty messenger. I do the best I can, but there are times I may get it wrong too. You need to check up on me. I want you to help keep me straight. Amen? What does the word say? That's what it all goes back to. So, we we trust the Bible. We need to read the Bible because it tells us how to be saved. The fourth thing, let me try to bring it to an end here. The fourth reason... Well, I think it's important for us to read the, the Word of God, and there are many other reasons. But reason number four I want to present to you today is because the Bible teaches us to live for God and uses real-life examples, case studies, if you will, of what we should do and what we should not do, how we should live and how we should not live. I don't know about you, I learn better from other people's mistakes. I'd rather learn from other people's mistakes, Right? Paul writes to the Corinthians and and reminds them of the lessons they can learn from the stories found in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, 1-6 says this, and I've abbreviated it on the screen. Paul writes and says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. He's talking about people who were in the Old Testament. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. In other words, they had everything they needed. They had everything they needed. They had the presence of God leading them as they made their journey to the promised land. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened, Paul said, as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. Listen, here's the amazing thing about reading the Bible. The Bible gives us real life examples that show us how sin works to destroy us. It also gives us real life examples that shows us how God steps in to save us. These Bible stories help us see beyond the bait of temptation to see the hook that lies underneath it. Smart people, I don't know about you, I, I hope to be a smart person. Smart people would rather learn from the mistakes of others than make those same mistakes themselves. Amen? I, I love it, and just let me throw this out. Teresa, are you here? Thank you, Teresa. Earlier this week, Teresa and i two, two weeks ago, Teresa and I were having a conversation. She said, Pastor Mark, I have read a lot in the New Testament, and I feel like I've gotten a lot out of it. She said, but I'm kind of stuck. I keep seeing myself going through the same things and making the same mistakes. And she said, I don't understand that. And I, I, I told Teresa, I said, Teresa, you need to read the book of Exodus. Exodus? What's the Old Testament got to say to me? Well. I should have had it on record. That's <laughs> okay, anyway. So, She comes to me Wednesday night, I think it was, and she said, man, Exodus is kicking my butt, Pastor Mark. I said, really, why? She said, those people are just like me. They keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And she said, if they would only have trusted God. I looked at her and said, that's exactly right. Trust God. But she saw something of herself in those people, something of their struggle. And this struggle we have with this carnal man that wants to keep doing its own thing and demanding its own way when all you have to do is trust God. She never would have done that if I hadn't pointed her to the stories that I remember reading in the book of Exodus. Listen, man, nothing's changed about human nature. I have traveled all over the world and I can tell you people on the other side of the world want the same things I want and you want. They want a healthy family job. They want, you know, roof over there. They need a savior. Nothing's changed over distance or time. Human nature remains the same. We can learn from each other if we will. And that's why we need to get into the Bible. Man, there are incredible stories in the Bible. And I'm constantly amazed week in, week out, as I share the Bible with my students in high school who have grown up in church, they don't know these stories. They, They don't know these stories. They don't know about Gideon. They don't know about I don't even know about Noah. I don't know about Abraham. I've had people ask me, who's Abraham? They grow up, these kids are supposedly going to church, and they don't know who Abraham is. For crying out loud, he's the father of our faith, man. And it's really cool as they read these stories, say, wow, I never knew that before. Wow, that gives me hope that I can change. Listen, the Bible is replete with all kinds of characters if we will study them, read their stories, use them as case studies, man, we can learn a lot from what God has done in the lives of other people thousands of years ago that we can apply to, uh, to our own lives. There's so many Bible characters to learn from. Some of those Bible characters served God so well in their day. Men like Abraham, men like Moses, the apostle Paul, man, they were incredible instruments in the hands of God. And they show us how to live for God. And they show us how to represent God well. But there are others, they didn't live so well. You can read their stories too. Samson, Saul, Judas Iscariot. They could just, anyway. It, it's in these Bible stories, these Bible characters, that we come to recognize ourselves as instruments in the hands of God to be used in our day for His glory. You do understand that God's still writing His story, right? Go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts has 28 chapters and it, it it simply ends with Paul being in Rome under house arrest i am so grateful that there's no amen placed at the end of acts chapter 28 you know why because i mean god's still writing a story and i'm part of it and you're part of it when jesus comes back and time comes to an end the story's over but until then god's got something for people like you and me to do to be part of he's still writing acts 29 One day I want my name to be in that chapter. How about you? And these Bible characters remind us that God is using ordinary people like you and me to push His agenda forward. So, what I need to do in my day is to lean in to His purpose for me, whatever it is right now, because He's got something He wants to do in me and through me for His glory. And that's what these Bible characters help us see. And I'm so, I I, I tell you, I love to read the Bible. What happens is as you read these Bible, as you read the Bible, as you become familiar with these real life examples, these real life men and women that God used, you come to see that the same God who worked in and through their lives is the same God working in and through our lives today. You get to see that the same God who spoke to them is the same God speaking to us. You get to see that the same God who extended his kindness and mercy to them and through them is the same God extending kindness and mercy to us and through us. It's amazing when you begin to wake up to really what God has called you to do and be here. He's not called you to wake up tomorrow morning, go to work, get your paycheck, go home. So much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. He's going to do incredible things for you if you can begin to expand your vision beyond what this culture says about you. Let the word of God get into your heart and show you how to live, man. So listen, I'm going to bring you to an end right here. As your pastor, as the person who has been designated the shepherd of this local flock, flock, the best piece of advice I could offer you today to improve the health and vitality of your spiritual life is simply this. Read the Bible daily. You want to live? You want to thrive? You want to grow? You want to mature? You want to become what God has called you to be? Read the Bible. Stop eating all those chicken nuggets. I'm telling you, man, it's not that chicken nuggets are bad. You can throw in a few chicken nuggets. You can watch a few movies. You can read a few books. You can, you know, But when you feed that inner man, you feed that inner man a good, sound, healthy, spiritual diet, the Word of God. I'm telling you, this could be the year of incredible transformation in your life if you'll do it. It's the Word of God. You can trust it to be true. Take it to the bank. If God has said it, it's true. It's this Word of God that will define for you and help clear away some of the lies that you have bought into about God. Let the Word of God, let God Himself define Himself for you. Who He is, how He works, and how He wants to work in you it's this word that lays out for us the only way to be saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus don't believe any of the other nonsense out there don't come up with your own little hodgepodge it'll never fix you it'll never save you only Jesus and it's this word that's going to teach you how to live for God I don't know about you I want to know how to live for God I don't want to get to heaven and God say you could have you should have instead I want him to look at me and say well done well done So, what we've done, let me tell you this. This is is our altar call. Brian, I'm going to ask you to help me. Where are you, Brian? Brian, Chris, help me. There you go. Go to the back, please. Stand by that table. Brian and Chris, if you would. What we've done, and here's, I'm going to encourage you, challenge you. I'm not going to threaten you, and I'm not going to intimidate you, and I'm not going to emotionally manipulate you. It's not my style to believe this godly. We have put together a plan to help all of us get into the Bible this year. I seriously, well, let me ask. Has anybody read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Anybody? Thank you, Jesus, for you. It's amazing. Are you willing to do it again? Good. For those of you who have not made daily Bible reading a practice, I'm going to encourage you to do that, and we've developed a plan I I hope will help you to do that as well. You see, our desire is to familiarize you with the Bible story. I want you to become familiar with the Bible narrative and the major players in that Bible narrative and the major concepts and teachings. I I want to help you better understand the doctrines of the Bible. I want you to glean, gain, valuable life principles that will help shape your life, maybe correct you because caught, you're off track, and get you lined up with the world. Don't you want that too? We want, we, we, we want you to get into the Bible this year. So we've come up with a little plan that we're going to pursue over the next nine months or so. And I hope you're in for, in for the ride along with us. We've got a little book, and I've used it the, uh, a couple of years at Kingwood as I've taught my high school kids. It's called The Story, and, and Brian's going to hold one up. I meant to bring a copy up with me. The Story is a chronological edited version of the Bible. It's, been, it, it's like a Reader's Digest form of the Bible. It's broken down into 31 chapters, Okay. What it does is it takes major portions of the Scripture and puts them together in such a way that it reads like a novel. It reads like a story. Because Bible reading can get a little intimidating, you know, sometimes. When you get to those lists of names and you get into long, and all, it can't. Well, what, what this has done is it's, it's taken major portions of the Bible and tied it together, knitted it together, so that it's, it's like one continuing story, God's story of his efforts to bring us back into relationship with him. It's, it's really a marvelously done work. I, I thought about trying to do something on our own and I thought, why reinvent the wheel? This guy's already got it done, let's just go ahead and, and go with it. There's also another resource that is available and I wanted to share it with you. It's something that I've also used with my high school kids at Kingwood. There's a, it's called the Story, Personal Journal and Discussion Guide. You can obtain this for free online, absolutely free, okay? I have printed off 40 copies of it that look like this for the first chapter because we're gonna do the first chapter next week. Those are absolutely free. If you want to go online and print them out for yourself, we'll give you that link. It will be on our website and through our app. You can go and download these for free. Each one of these chapters correlates with a chapter in the story to help you dig in a little bit deeper, learn some life lessons from it. Kaylin's one of those ladies, and uh, Carly as well, they're going through it right now, and they can probably tell you more about it. I'm not gonna, I know Carly wouldn't, she wouldn't say anything about it. (laughs) Kaylin might. But anyway, so these are free, they're available. I've only got 40 printed out, okay? And I've only got 40 copies of the story, but I'll be happy to order more. If you want one like this, if you'll tell me, I'll go to Staples and have one printed out for you. This contains all 31 Bible studies. You gotta let me know that, because that's about 12 bucks. I didn't wanna print a bunch of those out and have them just sitting around, you know what I mean? But if you will let me know, I'll get it, and you even have to pay for it if you don't want to. That's how desperately I want you to get in the Bible. I want you to get in the Bible. You know why I want you to get in the Bible? Because my counseling time would severely diminish. Can I be straight? It's a selfish motive here, okay? (laughs) I'm kidding. You know I'm always available. But it's going to resolve a lot of your issues. A lot of questions you're asking that no one seems to have answers to, guess what? God's going to answer them for you. He'll do it through His Word. He'll speak to you Himself. You're going to grow in your understanding of who He is and what He wants for your life. So, This resource, uh, the link will be on our website. It should already be there. You can download it, the entire thing, or a chapter at the time. Or as I said, I will print one out for you and have it next week. In the meantime, you can take this single copy home with the first chapter and use it for your study. Okay? If we run out of books, I'll order more. Or you can go yourself and buy one at ChristianBook.com for five bucks. That's pretty cheap. Five bucks for a life-transforming book. Heck, man, we'll spend 15 on a CD. That makes us throw our head around. Uh, Let me see. And then every Sunday, when we come together, the staff, I've challenged them with this, we're going to preach a message out of that chapter. The chapter that you read, the chapter that you studied, We're going to preach a message out of that, out of those passages of scripture. I don't know what they're going to choose. I'm leaving that up to them because I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to them better than I can. But next week, we're going to talk about God because he's the star of the story. Sometimes we think it's us. We ain't nothing. We're grass. It's here one day, gone the next. God is the star of this story. So that's how we're getting started next week. Are you guys on board with me on this? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I want you to go. Yeah, go ahead. Woo! (laughs) I, I really do. I really want to see us invest ourselves in the Word of God because it's going to pay off dividends. The Word of God never returns to Him void. You hear me? The Word of God never returns void, it always accomplishes the purpose for which God intended it. That's a verse in the Bible. It's a promise of God. I'm telling you, it will be the best investment you make for the next nine months. Get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. Here's the altar call. If you want one of those books, as we worship up here, go back and get you one. Pick up one of these Bible studies. If we run out, Brian and Chris will kind of keep track of how many more we need to get. I don't have a sign-up list, If you want one of these printed copies and bound, if you will let them know, I'll have them for you next week. I want you to get in the Word of God. As your spiritual doctor, I'm telling you, if you don't change your diet, you're gonna suffer, perhaps even die. I don't want that on my conscience. I want to know I have done everything possible to get you to read the Word of God for yourself. I know the reality. You can take a horse to the water and trough, but you can't make him drink. I know that. But you can't say you weren't challenged to do it. You can't say that you didn't have the resources to do it. So it's going to be on you, not me, if you don't, right? Get into the Word of God.